discretion is advised as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Now, are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. And creator of my horrific life, blogspot erica wright how are you today (laughs) i'm doing well how are you this evening i am really good i've been keeping in touch with a few other film buffs been just taking a few master classes on film production realizing that this is not the end it's just a crap year but it doesn't mean it's the end of you know humanity as we know it so (laughs) yeah at least it's a it is a good time to brush up on skills or develop new skills so that's like the silver lining i'm trying to see absolutely my my father's oversees uh this one local college here and he's had to kind of just reintroduce half the staff to say you realize working from home is the easiest thing in the world and he's having Mm -hmm. to tell all these old schoolers who you know have all been about you know the nine to five you clock in and come to the office it's like yeah (laughs) he's really had to reorchestrate him a lot i mean he would often come to a you know an office meeting late and they'd be like oh we're waiting on you he's like uh the important person doesn't, you know, come to the meeting on time. You come to the meeting <laughs> on time. The important person shows up last and says, what do you got for me? You know, so it is an amazing how we have to, like you say, find a philosophy, find a motivation and be creative. That's why our podcasting has been kind of a blessing. I picked a good time to come into this. Everyone just thinks, you know, you become a success overnight. It's like, no, you got to just keep inviting guests and, getting traction and uh here we're we're very much going to explore that same thing i mean how did these various cult actors who we chronicle here you know find their niche where did they find where did they resonate in the hearts of many so right that's true (laughs) uh lovely having you on the show here uh so I guess we're going to start off with your boss uh andrew devop he's just been a very beloved soul i spent many a a day, you know, just coming home and watching parts of movies like Toy Soldiers, the Wishmaster films, as well as uh, uh, he was just always just very common, you know, it just it wouldn't be uncommon to just see him in just various B movies or various TV shows of the week where he was the villain yeah. or dad of a serial killer. You know, he just was that guy who I saw. And I mean, the minute I realized, you know, he worked with the likes of Harrison Ford and various other actors numerous times and spoke you know several different languages so that's why you know because he was already mixed as it was it's just such a blessing and it's just such a shame that i don't see him as in as much (laughs) right so i mean i don't think i'm allowed to say what um what roles he has coming out in the near future but he does have a couple significant projects coming out which i'm excited to see um i think they're both television and i'll just leave it at that um, yeah, he is doing a lot more television. I, I'm glad that he's not waste. You know, some people like to give all these B movie actors, you know, uh, a rough time when they're in a lot of just questionable quality movies. But yeah, I think right. I think he's been good at. I mean, he even said I think in one interview, he's like, where he's like, when the roles slow down, you know, that's where I get busy doing other side stuff. I'm like, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, of course now I think uh, the coronavirus has pretty much shut down most Hollywood films uh, anyway. Yeah. So I guess on the upside, uh, you know, for him, he's 
getting close to opening his own microbrewery, which is called Three Marm Brewing. So if any listeners want to learn more, um, you can visit threemarmbrewing.com. It's M-A-R-M is how Marm is spelled. Um, so that whole backstory that came, uh, that's named after one of his other side projects when acting slowed down. Um, <clears throat> he and uh, a couple other of the brewery members uh, joined forces and became loggers up in the San Bernardino Mountains um, because there was a big... Uh, a bark beetle infestation that was killing uh, the pine trees up there. Oh, damn. So, um, so it... they were, they formed that, this logging company to take down diseased trees. Um, that's good. So yeah, that that's where that backstory came from. And then like marm is just like logger slang for the, the point in where the tree trunk splits off into two or more other smaller trunks. See, this is what I love about just kind of just kind of pop culture. You just you, you learn so many things, all these alternate phrases that, you know, unless you're around a certain place, you don't really understand the meaning. You know, I mean, and yeah, speaking like of when beer, I heard marm, I thought it was like a school teacher or something like kind of an old fashioned word for like <laughs> a school teacher or like an old woman. I was like, what's what's this three marm thing? And then he explained it. It's like logging jargon or <laughs> <laughs> at least in that part of the country it's a term that loggers use i don't know if it's used in other places as well but uh -huh. that, that's interesting um so he's got several uh different types of beer that he's been um selling to nearby grocery stores and bars for the last couple years and i think there's a good chance that the actual uh, uh, tap room will be open sometime this year um okay he's still doing renovations on it right um, he's got to set up the event it, space first and yeah it's uh it's coming along really well um and he did get the retail license so he's got a thing going on every sunday where if people want to buy beer at that location they can pull up to the curb and uh you know get like a four pack of whatever you know or or a limited edition you know, bottle of like, the newest one is like a called Mystic Mast uh, Black Rum Stout, which is kind of a piratey themed uh, beer. So I'm looking forward to trying that one. Uh, no, that's nice. And I mean, he's been you and his, his, the rest of his crew have been bright enough to really just you know allow him to allow people to just uh, share samples of this various stuff in addition to just being another just autograph and photo taken show. So I think that's been a good Yeah, that, that has been really good. Um, we don't have licenses to um, retail or wholesale the beer out of California yet. Kind of the exception has been um, certain charity events. Uh, in certain like brew fests, you can give out samples of beer, but... Um, we, we do have some good news coming up on that front, but so far it's just been limited to California other than those special charity events. Uh, and hearing his various stories about how he sponsored a certain cancer treatment center, which he really, he always says, you know, saved his life is like, was really mind opening. It's like, that's cool because yeah. <laughs> for a while, a lot of slugs were going to just like one or the other. And it's like, no, there's so many other third party companies that whatever shortcuts they're using, are definitely the ones you want to check out if you are 
having a big health decline for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and I had a. Oh, go ahead. Well, I I just know from personal experience, I have a beloved pal who used to be my boss as well as the one who my uncle cites as saving his life. He was, you know, uh, as far back as the eighties with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the AIDS crisis and everything. He was using a lot of stuff. Is like, hey, stop taking that shit that they're giving you that isn't, you know isn't going to do anything for your system it's pretty much just going to speed up your death it hasn't even oh been my tested. gosh right yeah. so and and ironically enough uh one of his roommates uh was marv uh Blavelt, who used to be a gay porn star and later became a b-movie oh actor. wow okay yeah and just really nice man as well i've talked to him a few times on facebook and he was like you know dr bellows i'm like yeah i i yeah he used to be my boss <laughs> uh what, what of him he's like oh he's the coolest guy ever and we, we used to have parties at his mansion all the time i'm like oh well, awesome <laughs> okay nice <laughs> so it, it's cool how there are some celebrities who much like mr devoff who are doing that whole just here's a good cause and here's a few other cool things here's uh, and I mean, you're seeing it a little now on cable TV, how you see a lot of those ads with various actors, you know, endorsing a certain healthcare or military veteran right. stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but then you see a bunch of other stuff where it's like, oh my God, why is someone so doing this with his life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I've known Andrew for six years now and I've been working oh, nice. for, him for the past three um, mostly doing marketing and uh, web administration. Um, although I do like to go out to California and like volunteer at his different charity fundraisers when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's it's been really cool. But I before I got to know him, I had seen him in a ton of movies and um, on a lot of different TV shows, like you mentioned. And Sometimes it's like I'll just be flipping through the channels and it's like, oh, he's on a rerun of Matlock or Walking <laughs> Ranger or something. You know? He definitely appeared on those quite a lot. I, well, meeting his buddy Robert Lostardo was just a blessing in disguise. And Robert, I mean, I think I told you I was at that convention back in 2014. Half the proceeds went to a dog charity. Yeah, and you know, I was, think I was at that too. Or I was there in twenty. Oh, it was twenty fourteen. Okay, that's probably I, 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 the same it, thing. It, <laughs> but but that's just how cool it was. It feels like it was way more recent, even though it's already six years in the making. So, it really was just an out of this world experience. It. I mean, it was annoying at first because I mean, I've never. Re- I haven't been to a convention in years. I was trying to get my mind off. I had finals for film class, and my professor was ripping me a new one. He basically hated oh, everything. Geez. So I'm already distressed out trying to make my first year in college really kick ass in here. I talked to this guy for free hours. He's offering to give me free autographs. I'm like, no, no, no. You've you've taken an hour of your time. I got to pay you 40 bucks for this. This isn't isn't just an autograph. And I mean, he, he starts even giving me some inspiring advice. He's, you know, we even share, you know, various film info while the other guys are like will you buy my 30 dollar dvd and i'm just like mm, i'll think about it as i go in the opposite direction so yeah <laughs> it was the highlight had i been there maybe three hours early i would have probably met devoff but i can't blame him it was a sunday so he wanted to get on his flight back home early and but uh what we still talked about even though he was in the room he talked about some hysterical stories making uh wishmaster 2 and then i bring up this other movie he did which was basically die hard on the statue of liberty i it was oh. called Yes. It was called, yeah, Devoff's also in that. It was called Crossfire. Crossfire, and yeah. I, saw, 
I, I still to this day wish I could have had sense to bring that VHS tape with me and have him sign it. But it, it was a cool experience because then, you know, he, he goes on and on. He's like, whatever happened to that movie? That was such a cool independent movie. And I'm like, oh, it, it played at some video stores. And <laughs> uh, and so it, it just pretty much braced me for, you know, just better convention experiences. I mean, everyone's has their favorite, least favorite. I mean, the good conventions are the ones where it's like you do learn more about the person and you mm-hmm. – and you had a good chat. It wasn't just, oh, my God, I love you. You know, and it, it was more to it than that. It was like we yeah, talked. For I, hours. I do like the ones that are laid back enough that you can have real conversations with people. And it's not just like, I don't know. Um, oh, like, for instance, Texas Frightmare uh, Weekend. It's an impressive yes. convention by the sheer size of it and the celebrities they get. But for a lot of them, you don't get to talk to anyone. I, you get the their autograph way. and you're just kind of pushed through. Uh, yes. And uh, I mean, it was wonderful meeting C. Thomas Howell. Cause I mean, I actually, I engaged him. I said, Hey, I, I how are your buddies, you know, Kiefer and Lou Diamond Phillips doing, you know, I, I, I hear your dad does a lot of stunt work and he, he, he bit the bullet. He said, okay, you know, you, you know this much about me. I'll, I'll gladly fill you in on what's going on with those guys. I even cool. joke with them. I even joke with him. I'm like, hey, these guys are working on some westerns and all. I'm like, why didn't they call you up? And then he just joke, he just jokingly smears back at me. He's like, now I know who should be my agent. <laughs> to have that sense of humor. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I talk with Kennedy and the other Mystery Science Theater buffs on this show all the time about Tom Savini, and we pretty much agree that he's a good makeup artist. But I have been very unimpressed with him at conventions. He just seems to just have too much on his mind, despite doing this for years. So. Yeah, right. I caught him I, on a I bad day. <laughs> yeah, so I caught him. Well, and it's even funnier because I think one year he was with Devoff and they were promoting the Dead Matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a apeshit crazy movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird movie. I, I don't really know what to think of that one. I've seen it <laughs> more than once just to process it. <laughs> I knew, yeah, I knew one guy who had worked on a bunch of different movies, edited different stuff of different quality. He would talk so much shit about everything. But at one time <laughs> he, he told a funny story back when I was cool with him back before he started talking shit about me and a bunch of other people oh, no. <laughs> at all. But yeah, uh, then he just goes on. He's like, yeah, I was editing this one movie. I have no idea what it was. I was just asked to assistant, you know, review and digitally correct, you know, some camera light lighting and all. And Tom Savini's in, has a cameo and I, asked myself who told him he had any business acting so it just, it just showed you how some people just vary by project and whatever project he was on it was not Romero quality it was just very bad oh yeah what one thing I really appreciate about Andrew is no matter what the the type of project or the quality of the project he always gives a hundred percent uh, that and I mean he you can't even say that he's played the same role I mean and I we can say that with a bunch of our other people we know but I mean he really is I mean he's also good at just injecting various moods we've talked many times in his fan group on how he just really uh you know from minute one not only are you watching a different kind of mood but you're watching a just a very just an absolute chameleon who yeah he he doesn't want you to give him an award. He wants to just do it justice. And 
Uh, I'll even go and do a few. We can even do a whole different episode on his most underrated film roles. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that, the, that probably would need a separate episode. Definitely. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, don't get me talking about Devon. Devon is just amazing. But uh, <laughs> just on a positive note, I love how, uh, uh, for better or less, uh, he's kind of become an underrated uh, just go to for just playing these various uh uh, he's been in a few sci-fi shows to where I was surprised mm-hmm. that the Star Trek people never ring, rung him up and said, we need a Romulan. Or, you know, yeah, right. Or a mutant alien of the week who's being experimented on. And I mean, he was in so many crime movies playing, you know, cops, even crooked ones and uh, gangsters to where I was like, you know what? Why wasn't he in a training day or, you know, Serpico type movie? Yeah. <laughs> as yeah, close as he gets. He's definitely is- versatile. As close as he gets is with uh, Blue Hill, Hill Avenue. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so uh, oh, you mentioned also how you were a big uh, fan of Rutger Hauer, and it's just so funny because I was interviewing Rebecca Reinhardt not too long ago on who's a, a deliberate uh, B-movie uh, indie filmmaker. She started out blogging for Pop Horror and just said, you know what, I'm going to start making my own, you know, VHS, you know, deliberate mm. you know, Reinhouse type horror films but do it in a very campy kind of way do it in a very just uh, i mean like she's doing a total total throwback but like we're talking tim ritter truth or dare territory here she is absolutely embracing all the just the 80 slasher stuff and sleepaway camp type bullshit and it's awesome how she's covering it all and uh getting nice. a few semi-knowns <laughs> and actually trying to do the best with what she's got as opposed to just you know pull a trauma or asylum where we're, we don't give a shit we're just <laughs> fucking around so uh, yeah it, it's really she's doing some cool stuff and she what was so funny is uh we i, I was asking her how oh, people you'd like to work with and i i brought up lance hendrickson and she got she's like oh didn't he die oh no i'm thinking of, of rutger hauer i'm like oh boo how can you mix them up <laughs> oh man you're like uh, have this moment like, of panic like what do you mean <laughs> yeah I'm like i would i would know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I would, would know. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, have you have, seen uh, Channel Zero at all? I um, have not. Channel Zero, I think, was a sci-fi network thing originally. It's Actually, all, I, like, I did. Uh, each I, season is based on a different creepy pasta thing, which is kind of <laughs> hit or miss. Um, I'm not a big fan of creepy pasta, but Rutger Hauer in season three of that is amazing. I think I did, and they they didn't really promote it, so that's what was a real shame. They wanted people to watch it. I'm like, well, you know, if you promoted your guest stars, I think you would get way more ratings. People, yeah, it's annoying how contrarian we can be because we get kind of annoyed when a movie is reliant on an actor to be good, but at the same time, we want to check out everything Mm -hmm. inventory. So you do have that contradiction, and it's an an interesting contradiction because I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I'm gonna see everything clearly by you know such and such actor but at the same time if they're the only good thing about this movie then mm, it's a rough set so um uh yeah uh rutger i was just really noticing was doing more and more tv in recent years uh the last real big recent recent thing that i saw him in was probably gallivant i just thought he was really good on that musical even though he's kind of more serious and uh that was one of those where it was kind of a short-lived success like they didn't know if it was going to get canceled or renewed and 
they even broke the fourth wall. That's why it was a fun musical. They were like, we're not sure if we'll get a season two in the in <laughs> along. And right. then season two comes along and it kind of disappoints. I remember even my, you know, my family who I was watching it with was just like, nah, it's not kind of the mustard. It's kind of a step down and then it gets canceled. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I didn't mean to sign the death warrant. Um, so uh, what was the last thing you saw Mr. Howard in? Uh, I was surprised. Probably was probably was Channel Zero. Um, All right. Before that, I I had watched him his guest appearances in True Blood, um, but I am not a big True Blood fan. Like I ended up yeah. watching the whole series. Uh, it was kind of <laughs> like just this addictive thing where it's like, okay, I want to see what happens, but at the same time, I hate myself for watching this. That's how I was with other HBO shows. It's just like, uh, why am I doing this to myself? I don't like where the right. story's going, but yet they've gotten me invested. So, you know, it, it is what it is. You, and I mean, this is what reviewing is for this matter. It's like, you got, if you want an actual thorough review, you got to review, review, rewatch, rewatch. I, I mean, I had uh, Court from Cinema PsyOps on here and he's in love with that uh, Hulu show uh, reprisal. And that oh, and you want to okay. talk about cult. There's a bunch of act cult actors on there, like Abigail Spencer and uh, Ron Perlman. And uh, it's an interesting mix of, you know, revenge as well as noir. And, okay. I haven't and, seen it, but I guess maybe I'll have to add it to my watch list. It's an interesting one, but it was one of those, like he loved it more than I did, but I would not take anything away from that lovely conversation we had it because he had studied you know all the characters he's one of those he watches all like the content and then mm. re-watches a movie just to actually you know engage in the actual premise i can't do it that way usually i'm all about the story and then you know make a note of the content <laughs> mm, right <laughs> it's like uh, delivered on the comedy delivered on the sleaze and gore but and and <laughs> it's what well, yeah it was a very unusual one where he really knew everything about this world and i was keeping more in track with the overall narrative and getting very annoyed by some of the self-indulgent scenes so it's 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 oh, a cool sure. parallel because i mean i loved everything else but i didn't like any of the supporting people i'm like because it was one of those it was kind of like a david lynch movie on steroids i'm like okay uh, it's a headache because i don't know where this is going <laughs> i need to just stop asking <laughs> and you re it is really kind of one that you do just have to just turn your brain off and i don't mean that because it's bad or anything or that it's mindless i mean in that you don't really know until you know and they yeah. reveal it so it's just like yeah just tell your brain to shut up otherwise it's going to be a drag so yeah like don't don't overanalyze it while you watch it kind of thing <laughs> yeah so he probably gave it a five star and i gave it like more of a free out of five i'm like it's worth a watch but it's not for everyone <laughs> um so yeah howard uh his character was really still referenced thoroughly in the blade runner sequel and i like that i i really don't like it when everyone just goes back and just relies on you know stock footage lazily yeah. incorporated and i mean it wouldn't have made sense for him to come back in the role i mean his character had died and he's aged significantly so i mean it, w it yeah. was just that hey roy is as much the star of this movie even though he or the actor aren't even in this movie. yeah it's it's definitely cliche but blade runner is my favorite uh record howard How movie um let's see what else have i seen uh, the, the, the hitcher nighthawks uh, oh yeah yeah the hitcher is awesome and that also had um 
see Thomas Howell, correct? I saw, yeah, I actually saw the sequel recently. I always put it off. I was like, it, it's got to be a cash in. And I, I saw that he favored it rather favorably on his website. And I, I checked it out randomly one day when I was at my boring security job. And I was like, you know, it's not a bad movie, actually. It's just, nice. <laughs> uh, I mean, they don't show his death all the way. I mean, Howard's dead, but they do kind of, you know, just incorporate some footage and, he did give the movie more credibility just by returning to it, if that makes sense. And yeah. it's kind of a fun movie because, again, it it just twists it around and just it's also a good feminist movie. It's just very good. Just fight back at, you know, everybody mess goofing you over. There's some cameos by other B-movie veterans like Steve Rills back. I'm like, whoa, he's in this movie? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hobo with a shotgun. That's another one of his that I really enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> talk yeah, about was, a guilty pleasure movie but <laughs> yeah uh, it, it was wild how that was kind of the start of everyone's doing all these drive-in theater throwbacks some of them are hitting uh, you know right right in the kisser and others are way off <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh i i mean i even said when he passed away and other pals were telling me just blowing up my phone oh did you see the news and i'm like and I, I just went into complimentaryville instead of doing the whole oh, woe is me. I just said, you know, he had a good career. He had a good life. I had no idea, like other celebs who kept, you know, their personal troubles to themselves. I didn't know he was dying of cancer. I'm glad he kept that to himself because yeah, otherwise I, I didn't the, media, know that either. <laughs> the media would have destroyed him. And mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I liked how for a guy who was known for playing very unusual roles, let alone villain roles that he didn't get typecast as a Euro trash guy, like every other Alan Rickman or, you know, right. <laughs> or Procno type. Yeah, uh, I, I do like Procno a lot, but. Uh... Yeah. Procno has been good. It's just been, I've seen him in so many bad movies or where he's given. Yeah. Very news, so it, it just kind of became as like, okay, he's in this movie. He's clearly bad, you know? So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think he I think was my favorite. Uh, my favorite movie of his would be In the Mouth of Madness. I um, forget he's in that. That's right. So that's another example of someone who just played along. He's like, mm. all right, gonna give you what I got. Um, I'll give you another cult actor. Um, I'm surprised some of the people we've talked about haven't really worked with. Uh, Yancy Butler. Are you familiar with her? Uh. Yeah, a bit. She's the evil gangster mom in uh, the Kick-Ass films, and yeah, uh, yeah, I love Kick-Ass is hilarious. Oh yeah, and she's also uh, the heroine in uh, Drop Zone with Wesley Snipes and Hard Target with Van Damme. So it was cool seeing how she kind of just became the go-to, and despite being on all these high production, you know, Steve Bochco and Dick Wolf productions, she. Wasn't getting as many offers after. I think I mostly remember her most vividly from. This is gonna be silly, but Lake Placid three. Yeah, which she read, I thought was freaking hilarious. Oh yeah, I love those movies. Uh, and she did that after you know, uh, Witchblade show concluded, and um. Yeah. So it was interesting how she did all these various turns, and yet, uh, because of her personal issues, you know, with drinking and all, she just didn't seem to have as many roles coming in, which is just a damn shame, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So, but at least she stayed busy with TV. And, um, I know my boss, Owen Frill at the action elite tried to get an interview with her and <laughs> she just totally blew him off and oh. I'll have a doctor's yeah, it's appointment. often hard to get to 
get a lot of actors to interview for podcasts and maybe they're just asked too much. Um, although back when I was doing the, uh, my horrific life podcast, okay. I don't know <laughs> if I should share this story, but Please. it's a train wreck, but it's like, okay. So, um, my former co-host and his wife and I went to Crypticon, uh, Kansas city, uh-huh. <laughs> which is uh, the closest one, closest decent-sized convention, uh, specifically for horror films, near the part of the country we live in. So we're mm. from Nebraska, and that's like a four-hour drive from our, our city. <laughs> oh, uh, damn. So um, my former co-host, Todd, and his wife really, really wanted to meet Dirk Benedict. Oh. Battlestar Galactica. The original, original, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he was like the main, you know, reason they were really excited to go. And I was there, like, I was looking forward to seeing Andrew Devoff again because he was at that, and Jeffrey Combs was at the table next to him. I'm like, oh, nice. Jeffrey Combs, and like, oh, he's yeah. a super cool guy. I really love oh, Jeffrey yeah. Combs. Anyway, I was not prepared for the level of batshit insaneness <laughs> that is Dirk Benedict. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. So um, I, I had a good, you know, feeling as far as, uh, or a good sense of the craziness during his Q&A session, which was not a Q&A session. It was 30 minutes stream of consciousness about him talking about why he loves Donald Trump, uh, why oh feminism God. is unnatural, um, talking about how he was the best thing in all of his past wives and girlfriends' lives, but they left him. And oh, okay. so it's an ego boost. How, um, <laughs> okay, so I'm thinking, though, it's like, okay, do you not see you're the common denominator in all of this? So <laughs> he's like... Apparently, I think four different times, he, I think he, I think he said four different women left him without saying any warning, not even saying "I'm breaking up with you." They just yeah, and he's eggs and left while he was out <laughs> doing something else, and I, he gets home and they're not there. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean the writing's on the wall. You're the problem. So <laughs> yeah. Um. So then after <laughs> after his Q and A session, which was kind of jaw-dropping well then you know Todd's like well you know maybe we should at least see if he'll want to do our podcast because you know we don't you know we kind of want to get a lot of different perspectives he clearly likes to talk <laughs> um we don't have that many like conservative guests on the show not that we you know make a big point of talking about politics but kind of balance out some of the people who were you know overly progressive yeah um so it's like, yeah, sure, we, you know, if you want to do it, I'll try it. So yeah, I mean, you don't so have to. So we go to his table. We go to his table to kind of ask if he'll do it, and um, he like, you know, talked for another like thirty to forty-five minutes straight, and at first it was um, uh, Todd's wife Colleen and I chatting with Dirk Benedict while Todd was. Um, trying to get money to pay for autographs from him from the ATM, which was out of cash. So we're oh, like hostage for at least 20 minutes. And as soon as like Dirk heard Colleen mention that she was a Pulitzer or 
nominated journalist, which she was. Um, well, then, like, I was dog shit, and he was all about Colleen, and he didn't give a shit about me at that point. Uh, but then when Todd came back, then Colleen and I were both crap on his shoe, and he only wanted to talk to Todd and wanted to have, like, a guy's night out smoking cigars and oh my drinking God. whiskey and stuff. and yeah, um, a sausage party. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, by then, I was just like, I totally see why these women just up and left with no <laughs> warning. <laughs> He's got, and I mean, this isn't even ADD. This is, oh, what's going on? What's going on? He's just, he's perked up his ears like a dog. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 you're cool now. Oh, you mean nothing to me. You know, so. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was just, just so annoying. Um, and so he never did our podcast, but then I was talking to a different um friend who's a podcaster and he's like oh yeah my friend and i did interview him and at the end of the interview he wanted ten thousand dollars <laughs> so it's like well i guess we dodged a couple bullets on that yeah you really did and i mean <laughs> it it just also seems like he was hell just to interview you know yeah i i don't know how you'd um get you anything know, coherent get him from yeah it's like i it was so I had strange. that recently with Jim Wynorski. Oh, yeah. And, and he just did the whole, yeah, don't take this the wrong way, but I only do interviews that are that pay me. I'm like, what the fuck? Get out of here. Who <laughs> <laughs> pays for an interview? I mean, I can understand if it's a Today Show and it's an appearance fee, but, you know, that'll be 400 bucks. But really? Seriously? Right. Right. He, he used to be so grateful that people were still asking him about all these cult movies, all this schlock he did for Roger Corman, you know, Chopping Mall and what have you, and <laughs> the various Blu-ray features, and for him to just be like, you know, I only do stuff that pays me. And it's like, okay, you know. And I've seen him just do like, it before in yeah. interviews where he would just be like, boring question, on to the next one. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I, I don't know how old you are. But there's no need to be that temperamental with people who actually give a shit and are the source of your existence. Just saying. <laughs> uh, I guess my other uh, like irk irksome thing, which I'm sure you've experienced, you know, with trying to interview people. So I won't say who it is, but like someone. Well, you wouldn't know anyway, probably. <laughs> but well, no, that's someone fine. Who's very like uh, small time actor um, who is not like a household name at all and tends to have very small parts and things and i said well you know i i like to feature you know uh, people on my podcast and i'm thinking this might be good for him to get his name out there more mm -hmm. he's like well how many people visit your website and your podcast i said well oh, on average website gets a thousand distinct clicks a month but, especially you know, horror podcasts those especially Right. So it's like for, you know, for a podcast, it was only around for about a year at that time. I think that was pretty good. But he's like, hmm. And then basically <laughs> said, you know, that he won't do interviews unless it's going to reach a lot more people than that. Oh and, and it's like, but the podcast had have like tens of thousands or, you know, larger number of followers aren't going to ask him to interview with them <laughs> he's just being a jerk and it's so <laughs> unfortunate that they do go to that place because i mean want to just be glad that someone wants to you know 
you know, seeked out anything. And I mean, sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes it's about, and I mean, I had that with the other people. I asked them, how many people did you talk with that, you know, only wanted to talk with you if you were a thing. And if you uh-huh. weren't a thing yet, they were, they acted like you were an amateur and they're like, get lost prick. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now I know the ugly side. So unfortunately there are many of these people who we end up saying, well, appreciate the talent. Don't like the person. I mean, my sisters had to do this with various celebs on Twitter is like Adam Baldwin, you know, good oh, actor, yeah. <laughs> stupid person. Um, uh, and, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, there was this one guy, I, I did lots of short films. Uh, I did for a while. There was this one guy who kind of hyped up himself, even though he was just an extra who happened to have been on a bit, lot of big hit movies that filmed in Atlanta, like Furious 7 and this one Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren movie set on a submarine. And he ended up being one of the lead roles in Tales from the Hood 2, which is not a good movie, supposedly. Oh, yeah, I saw that. It was it was a big letdown. Uh, okay, but... so you probably know who I'm talking about. He's like the lead guy. He's the younger guy. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I met him on a movie set, and I don't mean to sound like I'm jealous. Basically, uh, you know, I see a bunch of gals, you know, gathering around him at the at the bar where we're filming. I'm like, well, glad to know he's appreciated because I'm looking at his performance right now and I'm kind of very underwhelmed by it. I don't really buy him as <laughs> in the scene that's being filmed. And so, you know, it's just how it is. It's like, okay, yeah. everybody's got to find what they're good at. And some people, I mean, eventually they're going to be in a movie that they're miscast for, but because their name means money or people want to work with each other and no one's saying anything or giving notes, it is what it is. So, I mean, true. Uh, as yeah. long as... Yeah, sometimes, like I say, with Andrew, like, some of his movies, you know, like, it, a lot, so many talented actors just end up in some dud movies, and there are some that were, I would say Strike Force is one of those, but I know you <laughs> like that, I think you like that one, right? It, 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 it's a trash fest, <laughs> but don't get me wrong, there there is a lot of laughable moments in it, and I didn't. I wasn't sure what was going on. I mean, especially having that they had that one infamous uh, senator make a cameo, and <laughs> I, I know William Forsyth likes to choose scenery, and sometimes that can work, and sometimes it doesn't. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, clearly, I mean, it's direct video action, so it, I got what I got, but it is a junk fest. So I, uh, I found I mean, it massively confusing, and I don't think action films should be confusing. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I pretty much just went for just the trash, how everybody was dialing it up to 100, even whether it was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was like Commando. Yeah, it was Commando, but even more unorganized. So (laughs) the second time I met Andrew, it was at a rock and shock and uh, <laughs> uh, I think uh, maybe I told you the story in the in the group or yes. something but uh, <laughs> I had like a stack of like five of his DVDs for him to sign oh, and I yes. deliberately put ones that I knew he was really proud of at the top like toy soldiers and deadly voyage yeah. <laughs> you know? and at the bottom of the stack I put in strike force and <laughs> he was like um did you buy that here i think he was really hopeful i bought it through one of the secondhand dvd merchants so he could like convince me not to keep it I'm like no i i brought it from home he's like oh well you're a real fan and he like just signs it as fast as he can and shoves it back at me <laughs> and all the other ones he took such 
care with like personalizing each one and you know maybe putting a quote from the movie in I there know. or something bad day you know, yeah with that one he's like can't even uh. look at it <laughs> Uh, though, I, that's it. I think he's the best part. I think he just really chews the scenery, even though it is a stereotypical gangster role, and he's just like, <laughs> you know. So yeah, he, he is really fun to watch in that. But man, the movie as a whole is like, yeah, no, there's a reason it's direct video. It's a stupid yeah. trash. But um, <laughs> that's kind of just it. I mean, I'm okay with stupid trash, but then there's the other ones like we talked about, like you know, stuff kind of worse than the dead matter, where it's just like, okay, you know. And this is bad even by direct video standards. And I, I I knew a few people who made stuff for trauma and oh, they man. would have, yeah, they would have late night screenings of it. And I'm not going to say the name, but the name of it was cancer dancers and it got renamed to moonshine mean market. So, <laughs> yeah. And both titles make no sense, but they both ironically have something to do with the plot, but basically it's a zombie movie and it makes <laughs> no sense at all. It's barely a movie. And basically. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, basically it's on repeat. People get slaughtered, people monologue and kill each other, and then people have sex, and then repeat. And I'm like, seriously, who is the star? Who's the main person? And what is going on? You know, and it's just very poorly shot too. Like the sound. So that's just it too. When you already got a plot, you know, that is really getting on your nerves because none of it adds up, or you don't know where where you're attention span should resonate and then to mash it up with just technically inept then that's when it's just unbearable this is like i mean because maverick home entertainment you can at least make fun of even though it is garbage stuff right <laughs> but i mean other direct videos that's the other thing is like it was always hard to tell just the independent you know kickboxing or slasher film from the you know okay hmm this is a bad question you know and that's just it too. The cash-ins are also kind of in a whole different kind of suckage from the ones that are just very, just that direct video is their only source of income, let alone the only audience that would find them. So it is interesting how we go for this loop and all these actors have had to navigate it. Going back to Devoff, it would be hysterical if I've been tempted to ask him if he would love to somehow like riff one of those Wishmaster sequels he was not involved with, because I think <laughs> be hysterical. I know he's a professional and all, but I mean, just like you, it'd be fun to have Tony Todd riff uh, uh, Candyman Free or Lance Hendricks yeah. riff one of the Pumpkinhead sequels. It would just be very funny to just do that and just have, you know, again, an Elvira, Spinguli's Mystery Science Theater type riff, but have the actor in question who's in the movie. <laughs> that would cool. be hilarious. Oh my gosh. And I mean, I, I'm, I sure Devoff, I'm sure I'm sure would give that guy. I mean, nothing against John Novick. He's a decent Canadian actor who's been in stuff like Stargate SG One. But I mean, just, he would be like, those the movies f-? were not good. We'll say. Yeah. And that's the yeah. shame too, because they could have worked, but they don't. And it's just the. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people hate the makeup. Some people love the makeup. I'm just like, well, it serves a purpose, but that's that's the least of its problems. The problem is that part three is basically just a rehash of every horror sci-fi movie from Warlock to Terminator, let alone the first movie. And then the fourth one is like, hey, he's in love. He's making all these O noises and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> At least the fourth one like had some, I don't know, it had some storyline going on that made it, it a like little a bit interesting. It felt like a Lifetime Skinamax movie, and it, then they it had... It did, and then, like, all the, the boobies in it. Oh, my gosh, but that's a whole other... 
and Michael Truco was actually pretty good. And this is before he was on Battlestar Galactica. But like I say, it is like it is more tolerable than part three, where it's like, who's going to get killed? And he's getting <laughs> slaughtered. And now he's <laughs> at a college. Oh, yeah. All the scenes of people just running from building to building on campus <laughs> for 90 minutes. It's like, what? What is this? Like, yeah, I know it's a lower budget movie than I think wishmaster one and two combined if i recall correctly but still uh, it's like yeah my friend in russia um andre iskanov makes much better movies for like two thousand bucks than wishmaster three there well that's a good point there's a lot of russian fil- and german filmmakers who and even swedish guys who know i mean if you look at movies like cold prey and what have you you know and even 2004's Creep with Franco Potente, they know how to establish it all mm-hmm. and make use of the creepiness instead of just, like you say, what what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a shame. And everyone was like, "It's a shame that he didn't come back." I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'd come back either if I would, you know, because he had a cool original story for Part Three, and it didn't translate. But they didn't accept it. Yeah, they they didn't want his screenplay, but then it. I've heard that maybe they ripped some of his screenplay material off and didn't credit him for it and didn't pay him anything. So that's a whole other issue. Is that because I think it was just the thing he submitted was it was at the turn of the millennium. But don't get me wrong. They probably did from some other. He did have a scene with Archangel Michael um, saving the day, I think. So um, he was. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know if I should talk about it, but I'll just leave it there. I, I, some, I know he hates yeah. those movies, Guts, and <laughs> right. I, I, know, I know Robert Kurtzman probably, d- d- I'm not, I can't speak for him, he probably has just recently given up Facebook because he's so tired of the negativity. I, but, I think he saw, yeah, I saw his post saying, it's such well, a shame. he was leaving, but then he came back, but then he said, I am unfriending anyone who posts political stuff, ah. and I'm thinking, I'll be unfriended soon, I don't know. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I'm not going to quit posting what i want to post but yeah well and it's yeah. it's a complicated time when everyone's sharing stuff from other sites and every once in a while you see something that's clearly on one of the you know biased news channels or even on Infowars. Sure. i'm like god damn it <laughs> that's a good conspiracy and now you're taking someone else's take on it and it's like ah. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, maybe if it was just discovery channel we wouldn't even be having this conversation so i mean that's um, true. <laughs> really, you want to come up? Oh, it's on Fox. Oh, it's on MSNBC. No, it it, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be like. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. Uh, uh, it's interesting that you bring that up. I don't think he was keen on any of the sequels, including Part Two. But I know in that one convention where he talked with Tammy and company, they're like, "Yeah, Part Two was decent." And I'm like, I liked that one a little more as a kid, but I can understand why. Is like the budget really kind of got on some people's nerves and so that's just it you but a lot of these movies everybody's expecting again you know titanic avatar type money i'm like no you you don't get it yeah it's not not gonna happen and uh, uh, how could it <laughs> I, i'm in the minority for liking i still like wish master part two better than the first one you know, it, it is more quotable in many ways. I mean, and it's funny. Like it, it seems yeah. funnier than the first one. It's completely ridiculous. That I and I mean, the kills are a little more inventive near the end, and 
I mean, just the whole just prison sequence is kind of wild. And I mean, yeah, I like it, the prison scenes the best. It's hardly a cash in. I mean, it had the same producer, Peter A. David, and, you know, the same cinematographer even. So, I mean, clearly they did their best to try and make it be a fun rehash. And I mean, the whole premise as its whole was very much like, you know, Gremlins or Leprechaun, where, you know, it's you want a fun movie where you're seeing stuff hit the fan and it's not about just, you know, who's going to get killed next or just a gimmick. Cause mm -hmm. now every movie's tr still, you know, trying to be like paranormal activity or, uh, you know, even a quiet place now. And I'm like, you know, it, uh, look, look at hell house LLC that had no yeah. actors that, uh, even before shutter made it, one of their featured titles, you know, was already just getting a lot of attention. Vela Capacitor is another one that everyone's talking about. You got to check out on Amazon. And I heard an interview with the guy on Stephen Izzy's everything I learned from movies. And he was hysterical because he had a cool knowledge on it's like bad movies that stand out are ones that were made with art. And I'm like, well, that's so uh -huh. true. That's why everyone remembers silly, silly stuff like troll two or the room because yeah. They were trying to make a good movie as opposed to something which was just a really bad joke. And someone said, let's make it a movie like Sharknado. So it's mm, like, right. It's like, there's a difference. And I get that some people, they just like bad movies in general. I, I have many of my friends who are going to watch anything that is bad. It's like, got to have it. Oh, three bucks on Amazon. Got to buy it. So it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And you, you got to pretty much just, know what crowd you're with and just stay away from the snobs i encountered so many of them in film school who were like oh it's not as good as christopher nolan i'm like really that's what we're basing every movie on <laughs> we'll return after these messages hey Feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. 
Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games, mm-hmm. music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one. Music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just. Oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, people. Yeah. Yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes, the Google Play, yes, Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say. Ah. Yeah, all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> f- you. <Yeah. laughs> don't, don't run the listeners away, Peach. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of her. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. 
because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did be a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one life's plot holes and gratuitous It's time to get busy With your friend Stephen At eilfm.podbean.com We now continue with our program <laughs> it's like why not just it's a good well-made movie and everything and so like that's just it i mean i've been watching movies <laughs> by chaos he he's either going he's he's another one who's he's a cult filmmaker if there is anyone because again everyone comes back to him and says oh you're the guy who made ballistic x versus sever and he's used to having either people say fuck you for making that movie and people who say i really like that movie and so <laughs> How do you take that? How do you respond maturely? And I just had to keep just patting him on the back. I'm like, you did not make the worst movie of all time. You had a studio that took it away from you, and it became the next Jim Cotta. It's a crazy spy movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> With Lucy Liu and Banderas kicking ass. And, and what else do you need? That's what's been really cool about these horror conventions, just and even the fantasy and sci-fi ones. Everybody wants to know what you're about there is no prejudice even if you were in the weakest of the franchise you know everyone still wants to hear your stories about what it was like how what's your take on it you know uh one of my first conventions was seeing will whedon take us into a private room and read a excerpt from one of his books and it was hysterical and there was lots of lampooning of bill shatner because i mean let's face it he's always been known for being just the con- a whore at the convention scene you know? <laughs> This is where it's like, dude, really? You rented this out for the whole day and you only showed up for free hours? What the hell? Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) And at the same time, I mean, we're still going to see his movies and at the same time make fun of him. He's that weird kind of rare celeb, (laughs) good or bad. (laughs) Everybody wants to know what he does. It's just... And so that's the other thing I like, too, is some of these cult actors have really built their careers on being hammy, you know, whether it's Christopher Walken and later. Oh, day. yeah, I love Christopher Walken. Too. Oh, I think everyone does. Who doesn't, though? Right. He's in everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see who else. Oh, Crispin Glover. Yeah, he's another one who everybody's like, what's he doing? What's he doing? You know, and just when he shows up in something and you're like, whoa, hey. Okay, uh, I didn't know he had that. in Omaha and got, oh. had him sign his uh, his weird little books that he writes. <laughs> oh, he does poetry? Uh, yeah, sort of poetry. It's sort of... Um, I had that same experience with Robert Lissardo. I, I, I bought yeah. one of his poetry books. Did I tell you that? I bought it off of Amazon. Yeah. And he was like, oh, where'd you find that? I only gave... Oh, those bastards, they resold it on Amazon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, no. And I felt so bad because I could have bought it there and then. And I'm like, damn, okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I don't know if you've uh, been to any of those 
shows, but Crispin Glover does a, a tour, um, and a, like, I had every no year idea. he goes on tour with his books, and he does these, like, poetry readings that are just off-the-wall crazy, and then he's directed at least two weird-ass indie films, and maybe the third <laughs> one's out by now, or maybe he's still working on it, I don't know, but I know he was film one was fame. just bizarre and like uncomfortable to watch um, that was the and, wizard of gore wasn't it or was that something else no i i like the wizard of gore like he um he's never watched it himself i, I think <laughs> but jeremy caston directed the wizard of gore and i liked i liked the old um herschel gordon lewis one even though the acting in that was terrible um, <laughs> but like crispin glover was really great as the magician in that um but then yeah Crispin's directed like a couple films like one is called uh, what is it and it is just incomprehensible like I guess you know it does make you ask what is it you've got uh, Fariza Balk uh, voicing like a snail yeah just like, stuff it, that's like I don't know it's kind of like a Dogma 95 movie where it's like okay and I'm almost really all kidding. the cast members are um people with down syndrome but they're playing characters who don't have down syndrome so i guess he was kind of trying to spoof um you know like in a lot of hollywood films they'll have an actor who um, does yeah, not like have like a or like yeah like a rain man or you know a lot of shows <laughs> like that where uh, someone who does not have down syndrome or does not have some other disability playing someone who does it's an interesting yeah. predicament. It's the same thing with the race. How much of it is yeah. watching, how much of it is we think you would really work in this role because you speak many languages and you have the look, let alone right, acting. Exactly. So it, it mm -hmm. is an interesting dilemma. But after yeah. after Gods of Egypt, I think they're going to get less into that predicament where they're <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> um, so yeah, when if, if you get a chance to go to any of Crispin Glover's shows, they are really cool. Um, but I mean, he puts so much effort into that, like his performance, live performance is at least 30 minutes long. And then he um, screens his movie. So that'll take like another couple hours. After that's, that, he spends like two hours doing Q&A stuff. You can ask him anything. That's definitely what I like about the stuff like that, just seeing kind of a live stage show, for lack of a better word, just being performed in front of us all. And then, and, uh, like, after that, he'll spend, like, ten minutes with each person and sign, that you is know, whatever. really good, yeah. Uh, He's now, like a little touchy about signing Back to the Future stuff because he was screwed over on the sequel, where mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard that whole story. I, I, but I that, have. So he it's... didn't sign he won't sign some certain back to the future thing. Yeah. And I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, you've had a bad experience with it. Why would you, you know, I mean, some people can acknowledge it, but he's not over it. So I get it. It was a traumatic part of his life. And so he's just don't bring it up. But uh, now I have to ask you another one. Have you, since I've been noticing that a lot lately where people perform excerpts and then, if you got extra time and seating arrangements, then you can see a screening of the movie. And Frightmare's done a lot of that. I definitely want to screen a movie there. Uh, I am now. I don't. Onto the how your earlier point on how they screen a lot of movies at these conventions, which is a cool 
uh, you know, double business. Uh, have you by any chance come into contact with uh, Robert Bronzy? I have not. Okay, so long story short, and this is one of DevOps heroes, apparently he looks just like Charles Bronson. That's his whole thing. Okay. He's a stuntman who looks and almost sounds like Charles Bronson. I saw him in a convention. He looked very kind to everybody and what have you. And he's with the director named Renee Perez. And they've done all these just various. He's made... Renee has essentially made a career just doing a lot of knockoff movies. Death Kiss. Uh, Hell okay. of Us, Once Upon a Time in Deadwood. It just... <laughs> They're working on a prison movie that sounds like the words assault on prison, you know, Precinct 13. It just has Michael Perry and Richard Tyson and a bunch of them. It's just very, very bad. That's movies. funny. <laughs> right. Uh, you, no one's telling them they can't not make these movies, but these movies are bad enough to where some of the sites I've, uh, people oh I know gosh. have interviewed their movies and like reviewed them. And uh, when they gave a review back, they were like, we really don't have anything positive to say. They were very carefree. They were just like, oh, any attention's good attention. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, it's, even if it's a if it's a two out of ten star movie and the review consists of looks like, you know, a student film and the actors aren't even in the same room, that's not a good review. So <laughs> uh, so right. long story short, they're gonna keep making direct video stuff and airing it at conventions and they're not gonna care. But it, and the Robert Bronzy guy has already gotten a lot of slack for saying he's not much of an actor. After all, he's a stuntman. So I'm just to the point where I'm like, I wouldn't mind casting him in a movie. Just use that name appeal, but give him a role, an actual role with dialogue. Yeah, definitely not. But it'd be right. cool to play, <laughs> have him play a soldier or a Tanny Trejo henchman. <laughs> yeah, I speaking of that. Speaking of Trejo, it's interesting how a lot of these Hispanic actors have kind of had to build on his appeal and kind of be the next guy. And I'm like, you know what, guys, you guys are good in your own right. You don't have to build your career off of them. You know? <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> uh, uh, Raymond Cruz, I think is a good example of another guy who liked Devoff. I'm, I'm glad at what roles he has gotten, but I'm surprised he's not as well known. You know, here he is playing mm. sniper in training day. Uh, one of the Delta force guys in clear and present danger. And then best known as the openly gay detective on, uh, uh, the closer and it's spin off major crimes. So he's had an interesting career. Um, BD Wong, I think is another good example of a cult actor, someone who, you know, was the priest on Oz was the uh, psychologist on law and order SVU. And now he's, you know, playing Aquafina's dad on Nora from Queens and, uh. been, and, and he's found success from franchises like father of the bride and the Jurassic park, Jurassic world. So it's interesting how, He's been a man of many faces and good on him because, I mean, he kept his, you know, same sex marriage secret for a while because he knew he'd get typecast in that. He kept right. He kept his nationality secret because, you know, he was Korean, but he didn't want to just play just any Asian role or any doctor role. So he, he definitely survived somehow, somewhere. And it's interesting seeing how a lot of these people have had to get through, you know, like you say, just the thick of it, just really play their cards very wisely and it hasn't always been easy because eventually you know you get a bad role it's like sounded good on mm -hmm. paper mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i don't know why 
Mel Gibson still has a career, and I don't know why Danny Glover has a lot of bad movies for every five good movies he makes. So, you know, it's just like... Yeah, I cannot stand Mel Gibson. That's a whole other podcast there. (laughs) (laughs) And it's another one where it's like, I love how everybody else ganged up on a bunch of other celebrities who had a word that was taken out of context or one controversial statement. And with him, they're like, yeah, let's, let's forgive him. I'm like, no, you can't (laughs) forgive him. That's the thing. You can still see his movies, but you can't forgive him. That's the thing. (laughs) He's a shithead. Like with that, uh, it wasn't just the words he used. Yeah. Like what was that? That one cooking show lady whose career was ruined because Uh, she said the word or something. Oh, not, not well, Martha Stewart. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what's, what's her name? But I mean, yeah. Um, but then, like, Mel Gibson's not just using that word. He's, like, threatening to kill his girlfriend, like, and screaming at her by voicemail. It's like, that's really disturbing. It's like, that just that whole domestic violence vibe of it, raped and all this stuff. Yeah, it's like, okay. I hope you get assaulted, yada, yada. It's like, and, I mean, he'd already been in problems for being raised by you know a bigot who's like the jews are the source of the problems so i mean he's already had these drunken you know rampages and everyone does the whole i was drunk i'm like well guess what when you're drunk you say what's on your mind exactly that, that it's like that stuff is in your brain and just you know it comes out it's not like it's out of character it's what you're really thinking <laughs> same thing as with dreams you know everyone does the whole oh it's just made up shit i'm like well no dreams are just a bastardization of stuff that you've thought about at one point or another and because it's all blended together it doesn't make any sense so i mean everyone likes to act this is someone trying to tell me something I'm like no it's just a re-immersion of stuff that you thought about maybe five days ago and whatever reason it's still on your mind so it came up in your dream and it didn't make any sense so Uh yeah it is interesting how everyone's had to again try and either be mature or just say you know what never seen a movie with this person again they're so ignorant so it's been interesting kind of the same dilemma with you know tom cruise with paul trailer everyone's like "Ah, i hate him as people i'll see their movie though or won't see their movie you know (laughs) right Mm -hmm. i'll see the movie if they're not the star or (laughs) i mean mission impossible is going to make bank anyway just because people like that whole concept he could die in it and they would still see it you know it's just right it's true (laughs) yeah are you going to get a role in one of those please Please he should. He deserves it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he used to work. <laughs> he used to do a lot of stuff for Viacom Paramount. They gotta have his number somewhere. I know. <laughs> Carlton Coos, can you? You've been employing him on all your shows, having him guest star. Can you take over the Mission Impossible franchise? <laughs> oh gosh, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> yeah. I'd enjoy that. I've I've always wanted him to be a James Bond villain, uh, especially with a similar actor, uh, Julian Sands. He's been another guy who's kind of gotten the roles that otherwise would have gone to Ben Kingsley or Michael Caine. (laughs) But Uh, because it wasn't their cup of tea or exact qualities, so say, you know, it went to him because they needed someone who had been in some period piece stuff and whose name kind of meant something. So he's another guy who's kind of... I see him in Warlock, Arachnophobia, and all this other stuff, and then there's just no telling when he shows up, what what he's going to play, or who he's going to be exactly. So I do like cult actors like that. I do like uh, another one I love uh, is Ben Cross, another 
UK great, who everyone always says. Oh, right. Everyone's like, hey, whatever he's in, at least he was in Chariots of Fire. I'm like, well, he was pretty good in all this <laughs> other stuff that he didn't have any business being in. He was, he talks very heavily about this one movie he shot in Romania with Dolph Lundgren. And hey, he says it was his favorite film experience of his life. He was like, well, I wish more people had seen this revenge movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of my favorite uh, female character actors, uh, Bomka Jansen. Yeah. A very good example of I think she's amazing. Yeah, and I I had no idea for the longest time that she was Dutch and that uh, I think she had studied to do dance or something and then, you know, being in some of these horror movies and Star Trek guest spot and then X-Men and the rest of this history. And I hadn't seen her do much. GoldenEye, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, GoldenEye, that's right. So, yeah, here we are, the James Bond connection. (laughs) You've been in a James Bond movie. Everyone remembers your face. Um, And, uh, she was in one of those relentless movies and you want to talk cult. There's a bunch of cult actors in those crazy <laughs> films. I haven't uh, seen that one. Uh, yeah, she was, she was in one of the weaker ones. But yeah, aside from X-Men, I know she was in, in this one horror anthology show that Eli Roth produced. And Eli Roth, I know he's kind oh, of a cult yeah. guy. Uh, uh, him he seems like a nice. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, and... I didn't really know what to think of that one. I kind of had the mad reaction you had to some of these other ones where I'm like, mm, well. Uh, it got like really good. I, um, okay. The first four episodes, though, of that first season were really uneven, and I almost quit watching it. But That's it what I'm thinking of. In my okay. okay. And I'll, I'll check out season two then, if that's the case. Um, See, season two was a little hit or miss for me, but then season three was really good, so. Oh, it went that far. Well, damn. Yeah, and then it ended, but they they pretty much kill everyone, and that's how they ended, so. Oh, now I want to see it even more. (laughs) (laughs) But I I also like Eli Roth. I'm glad you mentioned him. He's, uh, I think he's kind of underrated as a director. Um, I I know we're not really talking about directors so much, but I, I think he seems like a cool guy. He's kind of a cult actor. I didn't really care for him as an actor, but he seems to really love movies and really be in charge of everything. I kind of liked his Death Wish movie, even though everyone really spat on it. So, I mean, he's yeah, definitely... I didn't mind that one at all. Um, and that's just I, it. I did like his, his acting in Aftershock. I thought he was good in that, but some of his early acting was, like, really, whew, yeah. not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I mean... Some of it, you don't know if it's that they got, don't have the specific training or they just weren't comfortable one day and that's the best take that they had. So I, I really do wonder how much of it is just the editors just, you know, getting too comfortable and just wanting to get it done. Yeah. Because I see that I with mean, even I, the best movies. I see actors saying a line that could have been delivered better and, and it's so minor that you don't notice it or you don't recognize it on the initial viewing of it. So it is always interesting just seeing which people evolve over time. It's even more interesting what roles they're better known for, but which really aren't, they're not the most proud of or which aren't the most developed, if you know my meaning. Like, mm-hmm. look, look at Jonathan Banks. Here he is, you know, everyone knows him now as Mike, you know, the cop turned hitman on Breaking Bad. But you look at his earlier, you know, Beverly Hills Cop type roles and he's kind of just playing a lot of one-dimensional roles. He's not bad, but you only see him as, you know, evil you know, bad guy. <laughs> right. Who's just kind of, he's just bad. He's just evil. And you don't know why. So 
it's definitely interesting seeing which ones have kind of evolved and which ones have always been able to add extra layers. And that's why everyone wants to work with them because they're professional and they, uh, Lobo Sebastian's always been a favorite of mine. Another one like Devoff, who I wish kind of had the, just more roles and he's been getting more of them. Don't get me wrong, but I always <laughs> would see him guest star in every single crime show. And I mean, he was in some other horror ones like, uh, you know, Ghost of Mars and, leprechaun five but it's been interesting to see. <laughs> yeah i went there. in the hood yeah. it's better than I, it. I did laugh at that one though i mean it, it was funny <laughs> yeah the leprechaun series is definitely a good example of one that's kind of both bad and yet entertaining if that makes sense it just blurs the it, line it more. totally makes sense <laughs> and it's so interesting how we've had such a bunch of those movies i mean why do you think people watch, you know, stuff like Dynasty for years? It's just, it's trashy and yet it's fun. So it's just interesting seeing that kind of thing just play into all these various movie franchises that have come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lacey Lou on Cut to the Chase covers a lot of stuff like that now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, it's definitely interesting how, it, just to wrap this up, I guess. Uh, who do you think is going to keep making a bigger impression on various conventions? Oh, wow. That, that I don't know. Because it seems like Brad Dourif, I notice, has always been uh, sold out appearances. And then I've seen a lot of the Battlestar Galactica people there. Uh, Edward James almost oh, was hugging. Yeah. Uh, lately, I, I've been I've seeing... met Brad Dourif. He was, he was a really nice guy. I was super embarrassed, though. So um... It was another thing that Devoff was at Rock and Shock, oh. where he did the first um, Jens Hellebrew beer pour <laughs> for charity. So I was up really late drinking oh. his beer, and I mean, I had been up for 24 hours, and <laughs> I was like just done, you know, like a little bit after midnight or 1 a.m. or something. I was like about to pass out, and I hadn't really been drinking excessively, but. My, I was tired and my feet were covered in blisters from wearing really bad shoes. Oh, the two friends no. I was with, like, helped carry me out of the bar because I couldn't walk anymore <laughs> in my shoes. <laughs> and people thought I was really drunk. And the next morning, I finally I got in line to see Brad Dourif on Sunday because the crowds had died down enough. And I, it's finally my turn to meet him. And he puts his hand on my shoulder. He's like, are you okay after last night? <laughs> like, oh man, I'm so embarrassed. He's been keeping tabs on everybody who's been at the convention all three days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's many other people I'm surprised don't make more convention appearances because everyone's always asking, where are they? Where are they? And some of them have kind of embraced the fame and others is like, they're always looking for them. It's kind of like the silent night, deadly night guys. Everyone thought they were dead or, game of acting and they were out there but it took some searching (laughs) yeah i haven't even been to any conventions in the last couple years i guess i got a little bit um burned out on them well uh... yeah i mean i was that way recently with one frightmare of one where a bunch of hellraiser guys were there and i don't know why i just was not feeling it it was just very overcrowded that one day and so i just kind of was like you know what i just threw away 50 bucks but it is what it is so yeah, it was initially interesting, but then there was just a lot of people, and it's like, you know, I don't know why I don't really want to go to the panel, and because I, it, and some of them weren't just as engaging; they didn't really want to talk, and some of them were getting in the again, just 
the pressure you to come over to their table the minute you lock eyes and you walk past them, oh, you know, yeah. they're scorning oh, you. No. I'm like, I don't, I can't do that. And uh, so uh, I, I had a couple sort of other bad experiences where like, <laughs> uh, and I won't name names cause I don't want to be sued, but there were some, a couple times <laughs> when celebrity guests were like trying really hard to hook up with me. And it's like, I am nobody. And also I don't hook up with strangers yeah um so i mean it was just like really odd and uncomfortable <laughs> i'm i'm so, with you i've seen I'm a like, lot of the I don't really feel like going back <laughs> to yeah. some for a while i'm glad that the friday the 13th and even the karate kid guys always kind of have a big presence they always you know have are pretty cool and have people asking them you know stories and they're happy to oblige but then the, like you say there are other guys where it's like just in total perv or just hanging out mode and i'm like yeah okay yeah no um <laughs> right. i saw I, I know tara reed was that one and it was just she just walked past me and a bunch of other people like we were nothing and i'm like i didn't even watch autograph but seriously i don't know why you had to walk for a lot of us and leave your booth i mean it's already like afternoon and she left her booth after like two hours i'm like okay no oh, one made anything. so yeah it's just there's definitely a lot of bad sports there's definitely a lot of other people where it's like god these prices 20 bucks for a movie i'll only watch once okay i guess it makes sense right i, I guess that is like the thing with conventions like there's there are some that are just magical and really like a, a lifetime memory kind of thing and others where it's just like everything about it is a clusterfuck um the prices it's, are terrible. The people are unlikable or they're rude. You know, it's like, and the food is just really bottom of the barrel. It's like, I can't eat these hot dogs or pretzels. It's not in my diet. Sorry. So yeah. you, like, like you say, you definitely have to eat before you get there. Otherwise you will be like, why did I, you know, pay <laughs> all this money just to sit down and eat. And when I'm already going to pay, you know, 80 bucks more. So like you say, you have to be prepared to spend a bunch amount of money, and like you say, it has to be worth the cost. So, because there's already a forty dollar entry fee, sometimes even more yeah. in other places. So, um, I think some of them will get better, and definitely a lot of them are going to cut down due to this, you know, current epidemic. But uh, I, I, I do think a lot of them are worth watching at least on YouTube. I, I definitely like looking back at some of Charles Band's earlier stuff from about. Uh, earlier oh, I bet that's entertaining. <laughs> hey, yeah, because he knows what he's making, and he's always he was an interesting one who I always kind of admired because he at least made his movies look like an actual you know theatrical thing. He came from the drive-in circuit, and ran in the family business, and so and you know don't get me wrong, I get that Roger Corman is considered an inspiration, but unlike Corman or even the trauma guys, I never heard anyone feel like they got ripped off or didn't make a single buck doing what they were doing, you know, from right. his stuff. Yeah. There was a lot of people whose careers, like, they ended up writing a bunch of comic book or better known, you know, big budget horror movies. He, he was the launching template for them. So I was like, that's cool, because he had already had his foot at the Paramount studio before, you know, that contract expired. So he made his business and I'm like, that's cool, but he earned it as opposed to just being, you know, just a privileged guy who happens to, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. be very ego headed. I mean, don't get me wrong. Canon is entertaining, but a lot of that's for, you know, the wrong reasons, you know, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> a lot of, so it was definitely kind of a well-earned success. And yet at the same time, everyone knew that if you're watching one of 
bands movies at full moon you know it's pretty lowbrow you know yeah <laughs> uh but at the same time like he just showed that just because it's direct video doesn't mean it can't be a franchise is like okay yeah i'm at every horror yeah. convention i'm gonna see something related to puppet master or transfers it's like okay cool <laughs> right and every now and then there would be some full moon release i felt like was a little hidden gem and maybe not everyone would agree with my taste, but there was one, I think it was a full moon picture um, called Dr. Mordred, which yeah. had Jeffrey Holmes as the hero. Like, and I, I had yeah. a ton of fun watching that movie. <laughs> a lot of them did have kind of a cool, they were either knockoffs of, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, cyberpunk, or comic books. And I mean, even had Jack Kirby himself, you know, contribute to the stuff. So that was a lot of fun. That's where David S. Goyer got his start before he, you know, became part of the you know dc or blade movies and there's like mm. and so like you say that there are a lot of just cool ones there I, I thought vampire journals was a fun one there was a few other ones that were pretty mysterious and rather entertaining uh pit in the pendulum and so like you say it's been just a matter of just gotta dig through there and this is before then they became just kind of just we're just going to be campy you know after midnight you know snooze fest you know so it was interesting how they started out being just the go-tos like we're gonna have some outrageous horror and just bizarre stuff going on with some genre actors so it's like that's kind of why they got their their name and their brand and so a lot of their stuff they did try to be theatrical and just the budget would just never allow <laughs> it's just what's so outrageous about it <laughs> some of them started yeah, out true. as some of them started out as theatrical, then they went, you know, direct video. So, but everyone was still buying it because it was the same imprint and they were being shown. That was back when all the movie channels were less restrictive about what they showed. So, yeah. <laughs> before it became down to who, you know, what company, what studio did we, are we doing business with? Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, do you have any other cold actors you're, you were planning on seeing or who have been even spotted at your town. I, I see a lot of cool cult comedians come by at the Arlington or Addison improv here. It's always a blast. Oh, cool. Um, there's a, an Alamo draft house in Omaha or technically La Vista, Nebraska that gets uh, in the past has gotten a lot of different celebrity guests. Like they did a monster squad cast reunion a few years oh, ago. Really? Um, they had, they had Don Coscarelli, um, talk about the phantasm uh, series but unfortunately i was super sick that weekend and i couldn't make it it's always the myself. weekend that's a bad weekend yeah and uh, they they were also the people who hosted crispin glover when he was there for his two night in a row uh showing and i went to both nights to see both of the films that he made nice. um what else who else do they have they had bill mosley from um like house of the thousand corpses devil's yeah. rejects you know, like, so he was he's a really nice guy I like him and i mean uh, he's he's a genre star his name will he, always make bank oh um, yeah he, have he's you been in, yeah i guess yeah he's another guy we could definitely talk about but uh yeah he's, he's such a good actor have you ever seen the mads are back tour where tv's frank and uh trace Bellew, you know for mystery science theater will do an actual in movie riff like they're in the theater and they're talking on megaphones not megaphones just uh, uh microphones and uh 
the, those were a blast. Just the very nicest guy. And, you know, they, they were impressed by how many people came dressed. And like to say, all those Alamo Draft House are awesome because they have the whole coming attractions, just vintage mm-hmm. posters. And Oh, yeah. I love those. Um, those old trailers are so funny. Oh, yeah. And uh, what's even better is, much like Crispin Glover's two-night event, that's exactly the format that they did. They would come in town, do a two-night event, but they played a different movie each time. And for, you know, Mm. I know I saw them about three years back, and that was cool because that was, for more or less, like, one night they did The Tingler with Vincent Price, and then the next night... Oh, that's great. I know. And then then the next night they did Glenn or Glenda, the Ed Wood, you know, infamous classic. So... Uh, way ahead of its time but in the material but not exactly the most well executed so it was interesting seeing that different format um and but that was another one where it's like i see that they're so you know gosh darn tired i'm like yeah Yeah. i i i I, i'm seeing them eye the bar next to us i gotta let them get home get to their hotel (laughs) i don't because i know they're going to be on the road tomorrow but oh yeah joe bob briggs was another person i met at alamo draft house he was amazing he's such a cool guy uh well and he just gives off that vibe even though he's old school texan guy he just he hasn't lost it you know and everyone thought oh he's done you know when he left tnt and relied on the internet but he just always had that he did enough just coming back to various conventions and mm-hmm. keeping up with his followers that again like you say just we just need more of these people who make their own fan base. Like now, right now we got other actors like, uh, uh, well, Charlie Theron is one who just, again, just has always kind of made their career, even though, you know, just was various professions and then just stealing the show and everything. Then we have all these other people who have been in a lot of stuff and slowly have just shown that they don't care if they're the character actor, like, or the support or the lead. But mm-hmm. they definitely deserve more roles like Carl Urban and Frank Grillo are two other examples. You know, one of them has just been in a lot of different uh, sci-fi and mystery movies and kind of got restricted at first by not wanting to be away from his kids, but fortunately got over it after his divorce. And then the other one was just kind of, I mean, I already he had already been in a lot of TV stuff, but after he was, you know, he was in The Purge and captain america his career he definitely got way way more offers and yeah (laughs) it's cool seeing a lot of these guys because they they have their own identity but yet they kind of are who you want if you want action or horror but then you want the acting as well like okay cool so get your man so they can do everything you want but have any other conventions that you're kind of looking forward to that are uh, um no i mean there there was uh one in hawaii i was going to go to uh, that was to help promote uh andrew's uh B- andrew devoff's beer and uh also raise money for um, uh, cancer research uh organization but i think that's been canceled because of the coronavirus so um i don't know if they'll do it next year or if it's just completely canceled so, um, yeah, probably nothing else uh, for me this year in terms of conventions. So any other live or future convention events that you got planned? <laughs> um, no, uh, unfortunately not. Um, the, the 
the one single event I was going to go to this year, which was LostCon 2020, was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, I, or I, I believe canceled due to the coronavirus. So, mm-hmm. um, which I think is probably going to happen with a lot of events. So I'll just have to wait till next year and see what comes up. Right. And yeah. Also, um, starting to think that you know maybe I won't get to go back to Russia this year either and help my other friend finish his movie. That's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, and he's been working on that for like almost five years, I think the one uh, movie that I helped him with last year. Um, his dedication though. Yeah. It's like he, he always works on a, a micro budget, but his films look more expensive than they are. And I think a lot of it has to do with good editing and lighting. Um, but uh, that really does. He's only got point. like one, one guy in town who can, uh, assist him with films and so a lot of it depends on the assistant schedule and sometimes he has trouble just finding people to act in his movies so that's mm. like that's another reason why sometimes his films just take years to complete um right he can't get big name talent um, but he needs someone who isn't shabby either so like you say it is might pick someone's brain at a local theater company or <laughs> yeah i guess they, he used to have some some friends or and uh, like local people who had some acting training but in his area of russia there's not really um it's hard to find anyone with any kind of acting training like sometimes he does but often they're people with no experience and then he's you know trying to direct people to perform in the scene appropriately which is what he did with me like i have no acting training so it's like oh, i hope this isn't going to be a real train wreck uh, that's um, a fair point i find that a lot of people can be good actors in the scene just it's just a matter of just what everyone's feeling at that time mm-hmm. yeah because i mean everyone likes to do pressure and do the whole you work better under pressure and i'm like no you do way better if you just have an idea, just again, just time management and that, Hey, this isn't, we can't just be having fun. We got to actually just rehearse a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then by mm-hmm. this point, I mean, even the pros will gladly work with you if you're serious about it. But uh, like you say, there's also other ones who are going to be picky and just want to upstage everybody and just yeah. be like, and be like, well, I'm the star and I'm going to fix you all. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> The editor's the one who fixes this all because if you're drunk, if you're not given the performance that's needed, then they have to go around and I mean, I see it all the time where I th- I find that many actors vary by performance. Like Edward Furlong is a good example. It, it looks like they barely got a performance when I saw him on CSI New York. Oh, he was back yeah. during his back during his, you know, sexual harassment and drug abusing scandal days. So uh, yeah, that's a good example. Sure. Uh, right. And there's many, I mean, how many times do you, do you see when someone's clearly supposed to be talking, but you see the back of their head and their mouth is clearly not moving, but <laughs> that's apparently the best performance that came out of that whole scenario. Or, I mean, there's so many other factors. The script wasn't the best for the week. The director wasn't inspired. So yeah, like you say, it, came down to the producers and editors saying screw that you know we're not going to invite that director back and we right. got well, yeah we, with we my friend a- andre's films like he does all of it he like directs it writes it edits it 
sometimes composes <laughs> music. And so it's like, that's the other reason it takes them years to do these projects. So, um, then you got to market it. Watch some, <laughs> you know, some mindfuck movies, uh, or that are also explicit and very violent. He did philosophy of a knife, um, visions I'd, of suffering and nails. So I'd be down to check those out, you know, right. <laughs> Uh, well, not even just necessarily for the content, just seeing someone who is dedicated to, you know, again, being a one-man show and seeing if it pays off. So, mm-hmm. I guess if I had to recommend one, um, I would go with Visions of Suffering Final Director's Cut, which is on Amazon <laughs> Video. That's and it. I'm thanked in the end credit, so that's cool. I'm, like, also biased for that reason. But <laughs> I think that's his best movie to date. Um the All other right. one that was is probably his best known one though was Philosophy of a Knife, which was on Amazon, and then Amazon took it down because it was too extreme for them. <laughs> yeah, I've heard everybody has a different take on Amazon. I mean, I'd probably be doing more. I mean, they do damage control too. So if a movie just, I see what you're saying now is like, and it's funny how. The first version of this is not well rated yet. The second version is better rated. So um, it, it definitely is the kind of movie where you definitely have to go to Shudder too if you want to see because yeah, mainstream company is not going to. I mean, it's the same thing as a video store where you could only get certain versions of a movie and then you had this mm-hmm. different interpretation of it. I'm like, well, that's not the version that you were meant to see. But yeah, yeah, like with uh, Andre, he's. Um... He's like super embarrassed by his original version of Visions of Suffering. And I guess he just made so many compromises to make other people involved with the project happy that it wasn't <laughs> remotely the film he envisioned. So, um, and it's got really crap CGI in it that he hates. <laughs> so he like reshot a bunch of scenes, got rid of the CGI, um, just changed some things with the story even like significant changes and yeah it's a right lot now better now but it's like it's a lot more disturbing too <laughs> the trivia here reads that all digital v- visual effects were done in ukraine but rendered in russia yep so that tells me that again someone it's not uncommon for visual effects artists you know not only are they do they have to be in the same on the same page but the minute they see something they don't like and try and overdo that and take credit for it, it is it does become a little political there <laughs> yeah yeah and uh i guess he spent all the profits from his first film just on cgi and it was not good cgi even i'm not a fan <laughs> of even good cgi and it's like I guess if you had to say something positive about it, it's just so weird looking that it kind of makes you feel like you're on drugs. And since that original version of the film has a big (laughs) drug plot, it kind of (laughs) works. So the old film was kind of about drugs. The new version of the film leaves out the drugs and it's about necrophilia. (laughs) Oh, God. Big change in the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Oh no, that's very cool that you're getting to work with a talent like that or were before all this. Yeah, I, I definitely will again. It's just uh, I, I kind of am getting a sinking feeling that this virus will still be going in the summer and that travel will still be shut right. down. Because so. everyone's like, how hard can it be? I'm like, 
these sciences don't work overnight. This doesn't just happen, you know. No. You got to research, you got to test. They're already testing certain people, seeing what their side effects are. It might be isolation like the previous times we've had virus deaths in the mm-hmm. courts. Like before, it's always targeted newborns and anyone over 60. So, yeah. And, uh, I mean, so fortunately, we're still finding ways to, it's a good, I just look, try and always look at the positive. It's a good thing that it happened in this era and not other eras where we didn't have certain medicines. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. If it happened in the Dust Bowl, we'd already be screwed. So, I mean. Yep. <laughs> so, no, uh, hell, if Andrew even wants to talk about his work, I'd love to do a podcast episode about him. Oh, man. I will totally suggest that to him. Future episodes, love to have you back on here. You're always a delight to talk to. And just oh, about thank various... you. Yeah, I'd be happy to come back anytime. I'd tell you a few other just outrageous, just indie film stories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I love I love hearing these things. It's great. <laughs> right. Just which ones are organized and which ones are, well, a comedy is comedy. <laughs> is there sure. on screen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was hearing my guys at the Movie Melt podcast talk about how this one outrageous Canadian film, uh, Psycho Pike, and that was another example of a movie which no one even knew existed, and other people started learning more about it and leaking out more about it to where then they demanded it must be released. And there was, because of a failed like distribution deal, there was like only five versions of this movie before it got rediscovered one day on YouTube. So it's just so funny the evolution of various movies that have, and let nice. alone much like these actors <clears throat> that we discussed have made their own legacy based on just unusual mm-hmm. uh, just not only just career decisions but uh business deals that just could not you couldn't not only could you not make up but could not even be done today <laughs> it's like wouldn't yeah. fly it's like this is back when vhs was being embraced and dvd was around the corner so yeah it's just interesting how now we're seeing a bunch of other unusual business deals and Unfortunately, now it's only coming down to what made any money in the opening week. And now everyone's setting the bar high where it's like it has to make 30 million. It used to be 20 million was the minimum. It's like now it's 30 million. It's like, well, you're not going to make even a third of that. So I don't know where these expectations are coming from. Uh, But now it's even more interesting how everything is so digital. So now everyone has a better way of hiding whatever went on behind the scenes professional or not and Uh how how it was shot how they can if something bad happened if someone was acting unprofessional that then we'll be damned because the there's a lot that can happen in photoshop or final cut (laughs) yes Uh (laughs) uh, it's been lovely chatting with you about these various unusual uh, live appearances. I, I know I was looking forward to seeing Who's Live anyway, the live version of Who's Line, and they of course canceled that. It might still be in effect next year, but you don't. We don't know. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's to the next best thing, and I again, I, I wish you the more on this brewery. I hope that continues to pay off because it, it really is a good cause that we're seeing a lot of these semi-known faces come up with. Uh, you know, it used to be they would just own stock in a certain product, 
or just buy mm-hmm. a bunch of companies, but to actually be brewing your own company in addition to doing whatever creative arts thing, that's, that is the talent. Yes. So I wish you well on this and thank you so ever much again, just for dropping by. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much. Have a great evening. All righty. <laughs> Take where care. A, by all means, where there's a home horror movie, Miss Wright has covered <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, the jacked up review show can also be followed on facebook on both the page and the group feel free to chat leave questions make requests for future episodes you can also follow us on instagram and twitter thank you so much for your various support and we'll continue to entertain the hell out of you until then take care Thank <laughs> you.